Uh, good evening, everybody, and uh, thank you for uh, tuning in, logging in, or whatever the correct uh, term is. Uh, tonight, the third of uh, ER is the uh, fifth yard site of Moreno Barbeno, Arab Agon, Atzadik, of Aaron Lichtenstein, Zech Atzadik Levroche. Uh, Lichtenstein, as uh, most of you know, was, was an imposing and towering figure as a Tamar Chochem of the First Order, as a Shiva of the First Order, an intellect of the First Order. Uh, who had a profound impact on many, many people. I was privileged myself to be a Talmud of his in his yeshiva in Eretz Yeshiva Haaretzion, where he spent uh, the most, uh, better part of his adult life. Before that, before going to Eretz in the early 1970s, he was uh, uh, Rosh Yeshiva and Rosh Kolo at the Yeshiva Zvon Silchon at YU. But then he went to Eretz I was a Talmud, I, was his, I had this chus to be a Talmud of his uh, in his shir in Yeshiva Haaretzion in the late 1970s and to have had a warm relationship with him and a close relationship with him uh, beyond that point. And uh, tonight, uh, as I said, is his fifth yard site. Uh, again, he was a very important figure in terms of leadership of, of what we call, I guess, or what some would call the modern Orthodox community, the YU community. He was a voice for that community, as well as for the so-called Datilumi, the parallel community uh, in Eretz Yisrael. And uh, his absence still leaves a void. Uh, the purpose of this evening is not to deliver a hespid, nor is it my place to deliver a hespid. Uh, at the time when he passed away, I was uh, privileged to deliver a hespid. Everyone wants to, wants to hear that or see it, can speak to me privately. Uh, but tonight, I thought we'd engage in something which I think he would certainly want us to do, Leila Nishmaso, uh, and that is to involve ourselves in Talmud Torah, uh, which, of course, was his major task and his first love and really what everything else, else revolved around in terms of his life. And... Uh, uh, I apologize in advance. Uh, we've muted everybody. Um, I'm not going to stop for questions during the course of the presentation. Afterwards, anyone would like to speak to me privately, I'll stay on or people can contact me. I'd be happy to discuss things further. Uh, what I would like to do this evening is, uh, given the difficult contemporary situation we're in, is take a look at a presentation that Rav Lichtenstein uh, once gave, a paper that he presented on the topic of suffering, response to suffering. Um, this was actually presented in a paper some 25 years ago, uh, not in connection, to the best of my knowledge, with any particular event or any particular series of events. Uh, at Yeshiva University, uh, they had something called the Orthodox Forum. And in 1995, the topic of the Orthodox Forum was Jewish perspectives on the experience of suffering. And in that connection, Lichtenstein presented a paper, which was subsequently published a few years later by Yeshiva University. And eventually, it was published in a collection of Lichtenstein's essays uh, in a book called Leaves of Faith, The World of Jewish Living, Volume 2. And that's where this presentation I'm going to share with you this evening comes from. Uh, none of this is my own. Uh, all of the Bacchus and all of the uh, the breadth of knowledge, which Wilkinson was known for, uh, was his. Uh, I didn't really add anything my own, just a couple of things uh, for clarity purposes, maybe. But uh, by and large, all the Myrmacomos that are here that we'll see are from him. Uh, we will post the Myrmacomos. I, I organized them and printed them you know, in order. Uh, that you can follow, but you don't need to. It really depends on whether you'd like to or not. If it helps you, if it helps you understand it, fine. If it doesn't, it's also fine. Uh, and I'm privileged to participate in this uh, tribute to Lilian Ishmaso. I hope I accurately represent what he uh, what he talked about. When I was planning this uh, talk, I found out that uh, by Shlomo Zukir, whose uh, family and parents live in our shul uh, here in Teaneck, um, 
Uh, he gave a, a, a talk on this very subject a, uh, sometime a couple of days ago. I, forgot, I don't know exactly which day. I think Wednesday night or Thursday night of this past week. And uh, he, pres- he put together a, a different type of a collection of Marmot Comas, really gleaning from different uh, presentations of Lichtenstein on the subject of, uh, of suffering. And I'm sure he'd be happy to share his material with you. Well, I'm sure it was worthwhile. Uh, but I'm going to present it again, this particular talk. As I said, it comes it's found in the book, uh, Leaves of Faith, The World of Jewish Living, Volume 2. Uh, it's chapter five. It's called The Duties of the Heart and Response to Suffering. Again, not focusing on any particular one event or series of events, either personal or communal, uh, but it gives us some insight into what Lichtenstein, what, what Lichtenstein, what Lichtenstein held about how we should uh, view suffering or consider suffering uh, in uh, perhaps in a contemporary situation as well, what we can take home, and it's certainly going to be food for thought. Uh, Ruchin begins by pointing out, and that's, uh, we'll, we'll post the Marmakomas if we can get them up, hopefully we can. Uh, the Gemara says in Masecha Sanhedrin, Daflamit Chesamet Aleph, discusses uh, what happened on the very first day of creation. What was there on the first day of creation? I think people can go to the share screen and see the Marmakomas if you wish. On the very first day of creation, the Gemara breaks down hour by hour what happened in the 12 hours of the day. And it says on what the, in the third hour, for example, is when Adam Rishon's uh, body was put together, Revius, Nizukobo Nishama, his Nishama came in in the fourth hour. And um, then he stood up, and uh, later on, he was commanded not to uh, eat from the Eitz Hadas. That was in the, uh, in the ninth hour. In the tenth hour, Sarach, he made a mistake. He made the, did the Avera and uh, was, was judged in the eleventh hour and driven out in the twelfth hour. So if Lichtenstein says, suffering is part of the human condition, literally, from day one, as the Gemara presents it. And so suffering, uh, man suffered, uh, in Lichtenstein's words, give or take a few hours in Chazal's chronology, the history of suffering is coeval with man himself. Now, one of the major questions that comes up with regard to suffering, of course, is a question of why there is suffering. Uh, that is not the, the topic of this uh, shear. Uh, we know that uh, Chazal tell us that Moshe Rabbein himself asked the Kaddish Baruch Hu for an understanding of that. That's in the Pasuk and Parshas Kisisa and Shmos Parak Lamed Gimel, Pasuk and Gimel, when Moshe said, Hodiyein and Rachecha, you wanted to understand God's way. So the Gemara Brachas and Avzayin and from the third source that you have on the screen, if you want to follow it, Moshe Rabbein asked, why is it that there's such a thing called Sadik Viralo, Rosh Vitovlo, good people suffer, righteous, and bad people prosper, and so on. And uh, we know as well, that's exactly how Rashi explains it, right? That's why is it Sadiq Viralo, Rosh Vitovlo, and so on. Uh, according to the Ramban, that's one of the themes of the book of Sefer Kohelas. It's in the Ramban's introduction, his parish in Kohelas. Uh, of course, that's the theme of the book of Eov. Uh, so that's an important question, a question of theodicy, which has troubled Jewish and non-Jewish philosophers alike uh, for quite a long time. But that's not the issue uh, what, that Rav Lichtenstein is exploring in this essay, or we in this year, this evening. It's not that uh, we're really focusing in the here and now. We're interested in the reality, the fact there is suffering. Why and how? Okay, we can analyze it philosophically some other time. But we know that there is suffering, and the question is, how do we respond to suffering? And Lichtenstein was quite quick to point that it's not just a matter of the response, because the response is what happens afterwards, but also how you feel uh, when, okay? Not, I guess not only how you feel afterwards, but what you feel when there is suffering. So Lichtenstein begins by pointing out that uh, what, how a personal experience suffering is a function of his relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu to begin with. And he notes, for example, the Chovos Halavovos in Shar Yud, Shar Avas Hashem in the Psicha, writes that everything he writes, that's the last chapter in the, in the, in the Sefer Chovos Halavovos, the last unit, uh, he says everything which he's been talking about in that entire Sefer up until that point was really to get to the issue of Avas Hashem. And not everything is, everything is a madrig, everything is a step to get to Avas Hashem. 
And how, the question we have to ask ourselves is how are we doing in terms of our Abbas Hashem, our relationship, our loving relationship with our Kaddish Baruch Hu, And how we do it, our Abbas Hashem, will impact the response to suffering. So in Lichtenstein's words, in this, uh, in this essay, writes, clearly, however, the extent to which we have discharged our task conscientiously and creatively will significantly affect how suffering will be received if and when it comes. Enthralled by Avas Hashem, awed by Yiras Hashem, charged by Amuna, and suffused with Bitochon, an individual, steeled and illuminated, faces calamity quite differently from a vacuous colleague. And this, again, anterior to response, at the, at the plane of the ab initio experience. That's uh, typical of Luchensin's language. But the idea is that our relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu in terms of Avas Hashem impacts our suffering. And we know, and if we think about this, we know this, the Psukim in the beginning of Kriyashma, in Source number 6, was Hanan, right? Varm, Perak, Vav, Sukkim, Da'on, Hei, Shema, Yisrael, etc. And the mitzvah of Avas Hashem and Pasukhevi, Havzah Hashem. And it says, B'chol levav, b'chol nafshah, b'chol mdech, b'chol ma'odech. And Rashi then Chumash explains, B'chol nafshah, when you love Hashem with all your, naf- all your nefesh, Source 7, Afilu notelis nafshah. You have to love HaKadosh Baruch Hu, even if he's, talk about suffering, he's taking your life away. And means, among other things, Rashi says, whatever measure he meets out to you, whether something good or something that involves suffering. And Rashi, of course, didn't make that up. It's like a Mishnah. In Brochus, Nundadam and Aleph, in Source 8, the Mishnah says, We have to thank our Kaddish Baruch Hu. We have to love our Kaddish Baruch Hu, even in the face of suffering, even in the face of great tragedy. This is the Mishnah in Brochus. Midos, Medudos, as Rashi explains, and so on. And, of course, the great exemplar of this type of behavior is the great Rabbi Akiva, the Gemara later in Brachas and Samach Aleph from Beis tells the story we all know. We know it from the Kinnis on Tisha B'av. We know it from the uh, the Ela Esker on, 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 um, on Yom Kippur in, in Musaf, right? B'Shah, when he took Rabbi Akiva out, so they were scraping him with the iron, uh, an iron comb, and he was mekabel olav omachus shamayim, and his talmidim couldn't believe it. They said, "What's going on? How can you be mekabel omachus shamayim at this time?" And he said, "Omar lehem kol yomai ha'isim mitztar al aposek al aposek dibachol nafshcha afinu notels nishmascha." The Gemara says in Brachas Samachal Avmeiz, "My entire life, I." wondered would I be able to fulfill this Pasuk, and now I have the opportunity, I certainly have to fulfill it, and that's how Rabbi Akiva passed away, as we all know, being Mekabal Oh, HaShemayim, as Rashi says, was writing Kriyashma, and the Malachim complained, is this the reward? Is this the reward? He should have died directly from you? Fine. But that's Rabbi Akiva. And Rabbi Akiva himself, before he underwent that uh, ultimate test, the final moment of, moments of his life, he's quoted in the Sifrei and Vaschan and Piskalamid Beis in 12, Rabbi Akiva Omer, he says, right, if a person has to be, a person is ready to give up uh, and accept a Kaddish Baruch Hu, love a Kaddish Baruch Hu, Rabbi Akiva not only made the statement, but of course he lived it and ultimately died, died it as well. And he quotes other psukim that others besides the Torah says this, in Tehillim, in Halel, Parakuf Tezayim, and even when Sara and Yogon, even when suffering and pain before me, but I'll call out to Kaddish Baruch Hu. And of course, Eov, Parakalaf Pasuk, Chafalaf, and Eov in 14, Hashem Nosan, Hashem Lokachihi, Shem Hashem Mevorach, Hashem gives, Hashem takes away. And so, one issue of Ava means our, uh, relates to our suffering because we have to be ready to suffer the ultimate out of our love for Kaddish Baruch Hu. But that's not the only aspect of Avo 
uh, that touches on the issue of suffering uh, or in, in terms of relation to the Kaddish Baruch Hu, uh, on its own. There is a tshuva from the Nitzvah of Aaron quotes, Tshuva's Meshiv Dover, Chelek Aleph, Simon Mendal, where he says, really, there are two things. There are two aspects to Ava. One is Shayim Sarguva Van Avsho, or in 15, right? One is to give up your life, yes, but there's a second one, the fourth line towards the end there. Pirish Hasheni, Shay Dovek Bamachshavto, Vichchukola Hasigruach HaKodesh. A person has to want to cleave to Kaddish Baruch, not at the time of death, when he's being tortured to death of Akiva, but when he's alive. A person's relation to Kaddish Baruch is such that he's had that drive to, to, to love a Kaddish Baruch. And the truth is, the Rambam mentions both, as Nesiv points out. He says, Even if your life's at stake, you can't violate certain Averis, you have to give up your life. And in Parak Beis of Ilchis Zorot Halacha Aleph 17, he writes in general, right, We have to love and fear our Kaddish Baruch Hu. And Lichtenstein said we can really add at least four other things to this relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And his point is that the more we're able to fulfill these lofty ideals, the different our, respo- our, our, our response or our, our, our sense of relation with HaKadosh Baruch Hu in the face of suffering will be. So, for example, in Shir Hashir and Parak Beis, Pasek Hay, it says in 18, Ki cholas ani. I'm lovesick. I'm lovesick. And the Rambam Nechus Tshuva talks about the love that a person has to have for a Kaddish Baruch Hu. It's like a, a young man, a young woman, who, who, who their souls are bound together. They can't imagine one being without the other. And again, you read the poetic words of the Rambam. I'm not going to read it now. But the Rambam concludes 19, and ends Nechus Tshuva, by saying, The entire Megillah Shira Shirim, we just read on Pesach, uh, is, is a marshal to this idea. So there's a notion of the constant, consuming passion that has to define, define our love for our Kaddish Baruch Hu. There's also the way we behave, the Kiddush Hashem, the Gemara in Yuma, Daf Aleph, where the Gemara discusses, what does it mean, your behavior should lead others to want to love our Kaddish Baruch Hu. And the Gemara gives an example, again, we're not going to read it inside at the same time, but the, the Gemara gives an example of somebody who, who is learned, and he, he involves himself with Tamar Chachamim, and, and so on, and he behaves beautifully, and he interacts with Habrios, and people look at them and say, that person, wow. That was Lichtenstein himself, by the way. You saw the person, the refinement of character, what a gentleman, what a fine and refined person. He and other people like that are. You can't help but say, wow, blessed is the God who who is a God of such a person, such a people, and so on and so forth. It's wonderful. And that's the Pasuk in Yeshaya, I'm glorified through your behavior, through what you do. So that's another aspect of Avas Hashem. These are things we work on, right? That love-sick relation, not easy to have it. But that's what Avas Hashem means. It means glorifying Hashem with our behavior. The Sifrei ties it into the issue of Kir V'chokim. In Parshas Chanan, Varm Piskal Amid Beis 23, Again, all these things are learned from We should be like Avram Avinu. And we know what Avram Avinu, right? When they came in the beginning of Lech Lecha, Avram and Sarah took the, 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 the nefesh, the people that they made. What do you mean the people that they made? How do you make people? Right? So Rashi tells us in, in, in 25, right? They People, they brought people under the wing of a Kaddish Baruch Hu, Avram, Megairis, Hanoshim, Sar, Megairis, Hanoshim, and so on. Through their behavior, they were able to, um, that's what the Sifrei says, the behavior they were able to influence others. And finally, and perhaps most in, in the most encompassing fashion, is that which the 
uh, Sifrei says with regard uh, with regards to the pasuk and parshas Akev in the second paragraph of Kriyashma, Parakel pasuk of Gimel, where it says La'avos from Elokechem, grounding the totality of Avodas Hashem in love of Hakadosh Baruch Hu. We don't learn and we don't get involved in mitzvahs, as Rashi says there in Akev, and not pasuk Parakel pasuk of Gimel in the second parsha of Shema. La'avos Hashem twenty seven. We don't do it so I can become wealthy or I can become uh, get an honorific title and so on. Everything should be done out of Avo. And again, the Rashi got that from the Sifrei in Piskam Mem Aleph in 28. And so what Lichtenstein is driving at here in the Rambam says in everything which we do should be done out of a sense of love. And, if, and, and the Rabban uh, mentions it as well. And in, in his parish of Eschana, in the first paragraph, Shema, paragraph, Pasuk, hey, I read to you again what Lichtenstein said in explaining this. Does anyone imagine that this complex will barely influence response to suffering? Is it conceivable that the thirsting soul, aroused by passion or contemplation, will react to catastrophe no differently from the flaccid and the placid? Will a loving spirit's beatific joy uh, leave no imprint in anticipation of crisis? Can one's yearning for eternity effect no change in one's perspective upon the temporal? Shall the egoist and the altruist, religiously speaking, share the same response to divinely inflicted calamity? Has consistent commitment to loving submissiveness no lasting and pervasive effect? If one has dedicated himself to inculcating Avas Hashem in others, and the phrase, phrase like Avram, your father, and so on, will not the emulation of that paragon of love extend to how one's experienced tribulation? So what Lichtenstein is saying here is that a person's taking in or dealing with suffering is a function of his relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The Rambam, when he defines how to love HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Parak Beis, Halacha Beis, in Ilkhis Torah 31, you have to have a thirst. You look at HaKadosh Baruch Hu's wondrous deeds, and you see how great he is, how small you are, and you have a thirst for HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and you calculate the things he did with his finger. And to the next page, 32, it says, Tzoma Nafshalakim L'Kelchai, right? Parak Membeis of Til and Pasa Gimel. My soul thirsts for HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And therefore, what, what what am I compared to Hakadosh Baruch Hu? And then thirty three Tilim Parakhes Ma Enosh Kisis Kiveno. Right? Well, what is man? These are things that Hakadosh Baruch Hu did with his finger. And so when a person contemplates that and he's able to drive himself to have that love for Hakadosh Baruch Hu, that's certainly going to impact how he deals with suffering in the, in, in the temporal world. That plus the notion of what we call devekus. The Pasuk says in, in Devarim, Parashat Ekev, Parak Yudalah, Pasuk Chavbeiz, Uladov Kabo, Kleev Takadosh Baruch Hu. Now, how do you Kleev Takadosh Baruch Hu? So Rashi says, the Rambam says like that, also means pleading to the Talmud Chachamim. That's not what the Ramban says. Ramban over there, in that Pasuk in Parashat Ekev in 36, Parak Yudalah, Pasuk Chavbeiz, Uladov Kabo, Shetichol Hadveka Loma, Shezocher Hashem Ahavavoso Tomid. I think about Akadosh Baruch Hu all the time. If I'm a parent, Let's say a new, a new mother, and now for the first time, the mother, Bezer uh, will be able to do it again soon. The mother drops the child off at school and so on and so forth. She goes back to work for the first time after having the baby. It could be a father too. I'm going to go into that now. Whatever it is, whoever parent is taking care. Does that mean now that the mother goes to work, the father goes to work, they forgot all about the baby? They're not thinking about the baby anymore? Of course not. The baby's always in their mind. Your children are always in your mind. Even when you're doing something else, that's how it's to be with a Kaddish Baruch Hu. That's the Ava of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Now, that does not mean that there aren't uh, situations of suffering. We can't pretend that bad things don't happen. Indeed, the Gemara is not insensitive to this. The Gemara is aware of even little things being nuisances. It calls them Yisurin. Gemara Erchen Tez Anabay 37. What are some examples of, of, of Yisurin? 
So the Gemara gives examples, you know, you, you bought a new jacket and you put it on and suddenly it doesn't fit. You've been in isolation for the last six weeks, you put on 25 pounds and now suddenly the suit you wore before doesn't fit anymore. So it's annoying because a brand new suit, right? You've gotten it for Pesach and it doesn't fit. That's annoying. And another one, Amora says, well, you, you want to pour yourself a glass of iced tea and uh, pour hot tea instead. Right? Or you reach into your pocket, you wanted to take out the three, two coins, uh, three coins, instead you took only two coins. These are little things in, 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 the, in the plane of things. Okay? But that's the idea. All of these things, even the big things, if one has a relation with a Kaddish Baruch Hu on a certain level, even bigger things are little things as well. Uh, in fact, Rav Lechtenstein pointed out the Rambam Nechus Deir Deir Peregzayin, Alok Zion 39, talks about the prohibition to exact revenge. And he says, you know, perhaps not in the way we would expect it. He says, the reason you don't exact revenge, sof kol sof, is because it's of no, it's of no, uh, it's of no value. In other words, he says, nevertheless, the importance attached to a temporal value and hence the dismay engendered by its loss is patently a function of one's total spiritual context. When you lose something in a certain type of suffering, well, it's, it's because of, 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 of perhaps the exaggerated uh, importance you've placed upon it. And obviously it depends on the nature of the suffering, on, on, on what the issue is. Elaborate, and, he, and he quotes this Rambam, and he says, from a purely moral standpoint, the explanation is disappointing. The injunction, uh, he said, as a religious affirmation, however, the statement expresses a basic tenet and its implications for evaluating the impact of Chovetz upon response to suffering are self-evident. In other words, uh, the idea is that if a person can separate himself from certain things in this world, then certain suffering will be less. The Chovetz Halavavos writes in Shar Avas Hashem, in that same psicha, in Shar Yud, in Source 40, he said that's why he put Shar HaPrishus, uh, the shower of separating, of, 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 of pulling yourself a little bit of, away from the temporal world, okay, that leads to Avas Hashem, that leads to Avas Abore. And the Raman Hilchus Chuva writes it as well, and Parakul Aloch Vav, Ravaran pointed out that the way to come to HaKadosh Baruch Hu is to think about it all the time, to have, you know, uh, to the greater understanding, the greater knowledge that brings you closer to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the Ramban, says, it cautions us, in his Akdama to the Torah Sa'odam in 42, the Ramban cautions, it doesn't mean we ignore the needs of this world, right? On the one hand, on the other hand, we don't divorce ourselves completely from this world, but it's a matter of priority. It's a matter of perspective. What are the things that are truly important? What are the things that are not truly important? And Lichtenstein he said, when Yirmiyah and Avi sang, Perak Tazayin Pasig Yudtes, Hashem Uzi Uma Uzi Umanusu Biyom Tzara. On the day of my anguish, Hashem is my strength. The relationship with Hashem can offset the Tzara. So that's one theme that he develops in this essay, that a, a person's loving relation with HaKadosh Baruch Hu can impact and should impact how he reacts to, 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 to suffering on whatever the level. Obviously, obviously, there are certain tragedies and certain forms of suffering which overtake, which, 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 which are beyond, which, you know, the, even a close relationship with HaKadosh Baruch Hu doesn't take away from much or certainly certain aspects of suffering a person can turn out to be able to tolerate, okay, can, can tolerate if he has this relation with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. The second thing that uh, Lichtenstein pointed to is the notion of suffering being impetus for tshuva and the need for tshuva. The Pesach says in Parashat Eschanan, Parag Dala, it's the laning on Tisha B'Av morning. We say, Uvikashtem Misham, Parag Dala, Pesach Koftes and Dorm. Uvikashtem Misham, Pesach Shem Alokecha. You'll seek out HaKadosh Baruch Hu when, Lamed Batsar Lecha, Umtzaucha Kol Advar When you're suffering, when all these bad things that are described in that Parsha and other Parshas happen, then you'll call out to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And the Ramah in the beginning of Hilchas Tainis, the laws of fast days, writes in Parag Dala, 
45. When a tzara comes, what do you do? You turn to HaKadosh Baruch Hu, and that will help the tzara go away. And the Rambam writes in Halakha Gimel, very strong language. He writes, do not ever say that whatever happens and goes wrong, it's just happenstance, it's just a coincidence, it just happened, it's miminaga olam, that's the way the ball bounces, that's the way the cookie crumbles, that's the way things are, and that's it, there's nothing we do about it, it's random. No, the Rambam calls that derech hazorius. Okay, this is a vicious approach. And he quotes Psukim in the Tochacha and Bechukosai, Vayikra Parkavov, Psukim Chavzayna Chavches. If we operate in a Kaddish Baruchu, Valechlem, Imi Bikeri, we turn to a Kaddish Baruchu, you know, in, in a manner that reflects it's just happenstance, and that's anything to deal with us as well. Now, uh, Rav Lichtenstein pointed out the statement that I just read from the Rambam is made with respect to public calamity to which it relates particularly, but the basic motif that disaster should be attributed to divine intervention rather than to quote-unquote natural extremes, causal law, or indeterminate chance, applies to personal suffering as well. So what Rav Lichtenstein is saying here, as I understand it, is that nothing is, it's not chance, it's not coincidence. We have to understand and accept the fact that a Kodesh Baruch Hu has a plan when he's doing this. We know the Gemara tells in Brochus, Lamed Gimel Beis, Amar Chanina, Kovid Eshemayim, Chutz Mirashemayim. Everything is in the hands of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. And as Rashi points out over there in Brochus, Lamed Gimel Beis, Zilom Asa Kovid Eshemayim, how tall a person will be, how wealthy a person will be, how wise, how this, how that. That's in the hands of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Your religiosity will not be in the hands of a Kaddish Baruch Hu. But the point is, Kaddish Baruch Hu com- uh, controls everything else to the point that the same Rabbi Chanina on Davzayim and Beis in Chulin 49 says, Ain Adam no kef etzbo milmata elem ken maschris and all of milmale. You don't bang your finger or stub your toe here unless it's been announced and 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 uh, um, it, it, it's been so decreed by a Kaddish Baruch Hu. Now, this does not, this does not, or Lichtenstein caution, uh, tell us that therefore we have to blame a Kaddish Baruch Hu, be angry. That's foolishness. Pesach says in Mishlei, Perikir Tess, Pesach Gimel 51, Ivelis Odom to Salev Darko Vel Hashem, he's a flea, Lichtenstein, mastery of, of Tanakh, and Pesukim just today was able to call, just astounding. He said that the foolishness of a person you know, twists his ways, and then he begins to fret and complain to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You don't complain to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. You don't complain to HaKadosh Baruch Hu. But rather, a person should look, what can I do to change it? What can I do that I can maybe prevent this suffering from getting worse or make it go away altogether? Again, in his Hakdama to the Torah, Sa'odam, the Ramban writes in 52, don't think everything is a coincidence and happenstance and it doesn't come from a Kaddish Baruch And that's how he explains the Psukim in Megillus Echa, which I printed on the next page, Per Gimel Echa. Miza Amar, Pasuk Lamed Zayin, starts with Lamed Zayin. Miza Amar, 53. Miza Did anything happen that a Kaddish Baruch didn't command? He really raised the question. Can we say that did not come from a Kaddish Baruch so my it comes from a Kaddish Baruch Hu, so a person should now look and see what caused a Kaddish Baruch Hu to do this. And therefore, we should turn and investigate our ways and repent, return to a Kaddish Baruch We'll get back to davening later. So a person who suffers may have been sent a message, so to speak, a divine message by a Kaddish Baruch Hu that... Uh, um, that he needs to search his ways. And that's 
an idea of suffering as well, a response to suffering as well. You know, the Gemara has in Brochus of Samacham and Beis. The Gemara says that sometimes, of course, calamity, what appears to be calamity, can end up being good, and not even in the long run, even in the short run. The Gemara tells another story about Rekiva in 54. I'm not going to read inside, but many people saw that Rekiva was traveling, remember the story, Rekiva was traveling in the woods, and, uh, you know, he had some things with him, and he had an animal with him, and a chicken with him, and so on and so forth, and a fire, and he lost everything. He lost everything. And was very dejected by the fact they had nothing until he found out that there were bandits in the area, he could have gotten kidnapped and so on, right? Maybe in this world, things will turn out better. Maybe not in this world, maybe in the next world, okay? Had he been spotted and seen with the candle, or the animal made noise, or the donkey had braid, or the chicken had cock-a-doodle-doo, he would have been caught and so on. And the truth is, the Maharal writes in 57, the Sivas Olam, the Sivavas Hashem Perak Aleph, he says, actually, any evil that comes is really because of the person, not because of Kodesh Baruch Hu. Kodesh Baruch Hu channels what it is to the, to the individual and uh, based on what the individual merits. The um, um, Rav Lichtenstein writes, he says, the key, however, remains acceptance. Anti-facto means before the event happens. The central tradition of Yadus gives every license to fight off impending disaster. But post-facto, it urges acknowledgement as an expression of the divine will of the very affliction to which the most heroic resistance previously had been sanctioned. And it was before the most heroic resistance, now we accept it. And it's interesting and fascinating Gemara Baba Kama that he quotes it's a daunting Gemara. Gemara talks about Rabshmuel by Yehuda's daughter died, and someone didn't want to, one of the other Amar didn't want to be Menachem Ovo by him because he said he doesn't like the attitude. It's almost like a, a blasphemous attitude, you know, a, a saying that, um, you know, uh, with nothing we could have done about it, implying that, uh, you know, implying that I would have been, I would have done something about it, and so on. In other words, the the uh, uh, it's an imposing demand uh, that that, I, that that the Gemara placed that implies that were possible to do something, I would have done it. No, after the fact, you have to accept that this is the way it is, not talk about what, you know, we say in English, woulda, coulda, shoulda. You know, that, that's not what it is. And that's a din that appears in Shulchan Aruch, in Lichas Avelis, in Simen Shin Ayin Vav Sif Beis, there are more rights in 60, but Al Yomar Adam Avel. A person should never tell an Avel uh, something like, What can you do? You can't change anything. You can't change anything. Implying that, oh, if you only change it, I'd change it. No, that's not what you say. You have to accept this is the way Kosh Baruch goes there. It's not a matter of you changing it or not changing it. And so the Gemara says in general on Daf Hayam and Aleph and Brochas 61, If a person experiences suffering, he sees that tragedies are befalling him and so on, so he should investigate his ways. Shenemar, and that's the Pasuk we had earlier in Eicha, in Paragimel Pasuk Mem, Nach Pesod Rachenem and Achkara, Benashuvar Hashem. If you search your ways, Taka couldn't find anything that made you deserving of this. So you slept a bit Torah. Okay, maybe he didn't do anything wrong, but there's certain things he did right. He didn't do right either. Maybe those bitl Torah. And the Gemara quotes Psukim that I printed on, on the next page. Right? It says, Ashrei Hagever Shetiasuenu Kop, Perktsari Dalad, Posigir Beis in Tilim. It's one of the. You know, the Shabbat, the Moshe Rabbeinu Kapitlo. Ashri Agev Asher Tiyasri Nuka Umitoros Chosalam Denu. Right? Maybe it was the event of the Avera of not enough Talmud Torah. And the Ramban broadens it, not just Talmud Torah. Ramban and the Torah Sodom and Shar Gemul writes in 64, it's not just Bittal Torah. 
but anything. Maybe I can't find any Averis. I was a good person. I didn't eat treif, and I didn't uh, eat hummus on Pesach, and I didn't eat on Yom Kippur. I didn't kill anybody. I didn't steal anything. So what is it? Yeah, but maybe there were positive things that you didn't do. And that's also counted under the Pesach says in Shlach, Perk Tezvav, Pesach, and Aleph, Dvar Hashem Bozo. That's belittling or, uh, you know, uh, making fun of or, or, or denigrating the word of HaKadosh Baruch Hu, Dvar Hashem Bozo. And that's what the Ramam writes in regards to Talmud Torah, Paragimel Halach Yud Gimel. Anyone who has the opportunity to learn and instead waste time with Hevle HaOlam, so that's Bozo Dvar Hashem. But as I said before, Ramban, uh, Ramban extends it to any other mitzvahs I say as well. And so these are all things that should, that suffering sometimes is designed to send us a message that we should be inspired to do tshuva. And that's what the Pesach says in Parshas Vayelech, eventually we will realize that all these bad things happen and there will be an awareness. Because Baruch will hide his face, as Rashi says, I'll pretend I don't see this suffering. The Ramban says, this is not the real vidui, it's not the full confession, but it's a step. It's hirur v'charoto. It's hirur v'charoto. It's, it, it, it's an impetus. The person begins to think about doing tshuva. And therefore, uh, of course, the amount, quote-unquote, of tshuva you have to do may relate to the amount of suffering, right? How much do you have to repair? And we've discussed actually on Shabbos Shuvah a couple of years ago in the past, there are two different types of tshuva. Rilichensin talks about a little bit, okay? He says there's tshuva from, like the Pesach says, Yecheskel, Paraglam, Gimel, Pesach, Yeralev, Kim B'Shuv, Roshom, Midarko, the tshuva, a person should go away from a certain, and tshuva is moving away from something, tshuva is going away and uh, leaving, and at the same time, it's going towards. Shuva Yisrael, a passing of Shea, the famous passing, Perek Yedalad, passing Chalf, also a famous passing. Shuva Yisrael, Ad Hashem Alokecha, towards. So it's not just moving away from, it's moving towards something. All of that is uh, is, is part of the Shuva as well. Now, after saying all of this, of Lichtenstein said, I fully recognize the problematical character of this presentation. Preaching the gospel of the uses of adversity sounds at best idealistically utopian and at worst glibly insensitive, right? I mean, you know, oh, oh, it's not so bad. It's a good message. We should improve our ways. And, you know, uh, suffering can be good. It can be positive. Look at how Rabbi Kiva got saved. Yeah. But it, again, it can be utopian, idealistically utopian, at worst glibly insensitive. Emphasize the normative or positive aspects of response to suffering may convey a sense that profound human tragedy is being dispassionately and facilely dismissed. And therefore, he says, uh, that's, that, 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 that's true, okay? He says, this is a response. However, he writes, the significance the Yadus ascribes to physical and psychological experience confers genuine import upon mundane suffering. Hence, our response to others' pain as a concrete human reality is tempered accordingly. In other words, uh, at the end of the day, it's true, okay? But the, 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 there are tragedies and there are tragedies. Uh, again, as I mentioned before, sometimes a Kaddish Baruch who sometimes punishes, right, when there doesn't seem to be a reason, and a person should be able even to rejoice. That's what the Sifrei says in Rosh Hashanah Piskalamet Bay 72. Sometimes you should be happier with, with punishment and suffering than you are with good, because 
you have to it's the it's it's the you know the cost analysis so later on you, you, now you're paying in, in cheaper currency you're paying in this world and you get something better in Olam Haba. hard to relate to that but there's something else as well really three things that looking seem pointed out that are that are uh, alluded to in this sifre based on the psukim you have a pasuk in Mishra, gimel your base 73 afflicts somebody he loves Okay, and the pasuk and chumash, even stranger. Parakhesa dvaram pasuk hey, ki kasher yiyaser ishes beno Hashem alokecham yasreka. Just like a parent afflicts his child, Kadosh Baruch Hu afflicts you, right? Now wait a minute, what's going on? What parent afflicts his child? Well, one second. There are really three things. First of all, there's the notion of that you soon are positive because it brings about forgiveness. Number two, it brings about that bonding with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. And as the Medjush concludes there in 72, there are certain things which we got only through Yisurin. Torah, Eretz Yisrael, Olam Abba, all that comes through Yisurin. So again, that is a Jewish concept that yes, suffering can have a positive as well. Of course, that doesn't make it more palatable or easier to tolerate when the suffering is great. And the truth is the Medjush Tillim Okay, the Medjush Shochar Tov uh, in, in Parak Vav Pasuk Beis and Gimel of, of Tillim says, it says, Hashem The Medjush says, yeah, I know all about the fact that it says, oh, HaKadosh Baruch Hu punishes those he loves. Never mind, don't punish me. You know, that, that's how the Gemara says in Brochus, Hey, I'm at Beis. Rabbi was once sick and Rabbi Yochanan came to visit him. He said, You like this punishment? I'll do it out the punishment. I'll do it out the reward. I know there's a great reward in store. Never mind, right? Many, even great people, right? Nabi Yochan himself said it later. Lo hein velo scharen. In other words, I'm Michael, right? I, I, I understand all philosophically about how wonderful Yisurin can be. I'm Michael, okay? But the fact is that if it does happen, if it does happen, it should motivate a person to move to a better spiritual level. And that's Yisurin Shal Ava. And it talks about not taking away tefillah and Torah. I'm not going to go through the, those couple of sources now, but I think more, it's that same brokhas, more brokhas of Hamid Bays and the psukum that are printed here. But sometimes, sometimes a Kaddish Baruch Hu, uh, again, as I say, afflicts those he loves the most in this world to give them a bigger reward in the world to come. But at the end of the day, at the end of the day, the um, Gemara says in Shabbos, Nun Hamad Aleph, an interesting machlokas, Omar of Ami ain misa avam. Just as nobody dies without sin, there is no punishment, there's no suffering without some sort of sin as well. And that's a machlokas, because the more on the next page, I only printed part of it, concluded, Maybe some people did die without it, without Avera, and that's a, a discussion in its own right. And again, there are psukim. Okay, proves that you have to sin to do an to, to be to be to die. And the Pasik and Parak pay test of Tilim Yulamid Gimel says, I'll punish their sins with 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 you know with the stick and their and their 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 uh, iniquities with beatings and so on and so forth. Well, the conclusion is that perhaps there is Misa without hate. But there is not Yisur, it looks like, without Chait. That's how Tosos points out. The Gemara's conclusion seems to be you can have Misa without Chait, but not Yisurin. And the Rambam in the Mornavuchim, in Chela Gimel, Perik Zion, and the Ramban in the Shark Mulligan, 87-88, both seem to subscribe to the fact that they, can, they, can, they don't have Yisurin without some sort of Chait. And therefore, sometimes we need punishment to expiate and to forgive. So the Ramban writes in the Shark Mulligan, 89, Kishayim Beis Hamikdash Kayim, 
okay, when there's no base Hamikdash, Hashem Mishalech Aleim Yisur, and He sends punishments so we can wipe away our Averis, we don't have Karbonus. And again, if, if that's not it, then every once in a while, a Kodesh Baruch Hu will smite somebody who he does out of a sense of love. Again, just sometimes out of a parent. Okay, a parent does something. I mentioned before, and I've used this example in the past, a parent teaching a child how to walk, right? The child takes four steps and he falls on his face. So the parent doesn't pick him up and cuddle him. He moves him further away. And the child comes and father moves back, father moves back, father moves back. By falling down, you can get up as well. That's the idea. So that's a second theme of 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 suffering that it should engender tshuva and improving a spiritual, improving one spiritual plane. The third and final major theme that Rebbe Lichtenstein touched upon over here is, of course, the notion of tefillah. Now we know tefillah as a mitzvah asemi daraisa because we're accustomed to the position of the Rambam. The Rambam in the Sefer Mitzvah Mitzvah say, "Hey." Right, You have to serve our Kaddish Baruch Hu. and a more more colloquial language in He writes, The Ramban and other Rishonim famously disagree and do not enumerate Tefillah on a daily basis as a mitzvah one of the Tariyag mitzvahs. Now that's a subject in its own right, not for right now, but. The Ramban, in his Hasogas, in his commentary on the Rambam Sefer Mitzvah in Mitzvah, says, say, hey, in 95, says that I do agree that Shenispalel Elav Be'es Hatsoros, when there's suffering, when there's anguish, when there's anguish, when there's calamity, then yes. And he quotes the Pasuk in Parsh Balosa, Bamidbar Parakud Pasuk Test, Bechisovol Milchoma Ba'artzechem. Okay, war comes, a tsar, an enemy, or some other tsar, or some other source of anguish. Then you sound the trumpets, you sound the alarms, you do daven takarish baruchu. Then, in other words, even the Ramban, who does not count daily tefillah among the Tariyag mitzvahs, agrees that when a person is in a time of need, when there's a time of suffering, an appropriate response to suffering, aside from working on Avas Hashem, aside from working on Tshuva, is simply tefillah, calling out takarish baruchu. I printed in 97, Lichtenstein did not quote this, it uh, wasn't printed yet, uh, but uh, he quoted from the Rav, but uh, I printed it for you here in 97 from the Rishima Shirim of Rav Salvechi Shirim and Brochas in the Horus to Samachim Beis, number four, source number seven, source number 97, where basically, again, the Rav said this, and it's in print in English as well, um, and Rav Lichtenstein referred to it, he said, perhaps the Machlokas between the Rambam and the Ramban as, as to what the obligation of daily tefillah is the rice of the Rabbana, and simply is how he define a tzara. The Rambam, the said the Rav famously, defines a tzara back in 97. Uh, the Rambam, the Rambam uh, defines a tzara as every day, having to get up and walk and be able to breathe and talk and everything else. Whereas the Ramban defines a tzara in the more limited sense of some great calamity, a great tragedy. But in any event, uh, that's the Rav's insight, but in any event, an a tzara is certainly a time to call out and daven takarish baruchu. The Rambam himself, despite saying that that tefillah is a daily obligation, agrees that there's a heightened obligation at a time of suffering. So in his introduction, the so-called koseris or hakdoma, Tilchas Tainus, 98, he writes, what's the mitzvah? Lizo, 98, Lizo klifna Hashem, bechol eis sargadola, to cry out takarish baruchu. Uh, when, 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 when there's any, any type of tragedy. And he elaborates in this, in Alokas, in Ilkhaz Tainis, Parak Aleph, 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 he writes, Mitzvah Saseh, I lost it, okay, Mitzvah Saseh, it is a Mitzvah Saseh, Minat Torah, Lizo Kol Haria, Chatzotzos, and while one might think, one might think that that's uh, applicable only to uh, a Tzibur, he writes, Aloch, a test, 
כשם שהציבור מזענם, so to a yachid. That may be דרבונה, may be different, but תפילה is certainly a way of responding. It's a, um, it's really a, a, we come to a Kodesh Baruch Hu from a position of, I want to call out to a Kodesh Baruch Hu. The Maharal, and the Siva Sol, and the Siva Vod, the Perak Beis, and the Ravaran quoted number 100, he says, really, that a person um, calls out to a Kodesh Baruch Hu out of a sense of feeling that something is missing. That's the whole idea of why we express Davin. And the Maharal is going into, what do we have to Davin for? Doesn't a Kodesh Baruch Hu know what I want? Because Baruch knows what I want, so what do I have to daven for, right? And and, and even after daven, why can't I just think it? Because Baruch, okay. And it's an important piece in the Maharal. But what he says is that a person is mevakesh chesrono. You realize that you're lacking something, and so therefore, said Rav Lichtenstein, there are really three aspects to tefillah. One is the hope for help. I'm missing something. I call out to Hakadosh Baruch Hu in the sense of a dependence. I need a Kodesh Baruch Hu. I realize I'm not, I can't do everything myself. As it says in Tillim, Parakuf Lamed Aleph, it's a short capital film, three psukim. Hashem lo gova libi. I'm not hori. I'm not, I don't have high eyes and so on. I'm being silent. Simply Yachel Yisrael Hashem. I have my hope and trust in a Kodesh Baruch Hu. That's one aspect of turning to a Kodesh Baruch Hu uh, for in a sense of dependence and recognize that I can't do it. I hope he can help me. But then there's a second step, because sometimes Kodesh Baruch didn't answer, maybe we didn't daven properly, whatever happened we spoke about earlier, there was a tragedy that took place. So now, tefillah is still appropriate, because after the calamity, I turn to Kodesh Baruch for consolation, for comfort, to cry on somebody's shoulder. The Pesach says until him, that they were looking, I can't find anybody to comfort. When you look and there's nobody to comfort you, who's there to comfort you in 103? And the Al-Qut links the two psukim together in Remez Tafai and Yishai in 104, right? When a person says, I find nobody to comfort me, I'm going to comfort you. And so uh, that's the second step. That's a second relation with HaKadosh Baruch Hu. I turned to HaKadosh Baruch Hu to hope, to be with hope, to be but I also turned to HaKadosh Baruch Hu after I've suffered and there's punishment. Okay, I want it to go away, and even if it won't, I need a shoulder to cry on, uh, even after the tragedy has taken place. And then, and Lichtenstein talked about this at some length, he said, there's something else as well. Suffering is in the realm of HaKadosh Baruch Hu as well. As the Pesach says in Tilem Perak Tzadi Aleph, Pesach Tezvav, Yikreinah Veneu, Imo Anochi B'Tzorah. I, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, I'm, an, I'm a brother to you, in sorrow. I'm with you in sorrow. I'm with you in your suffering. And that's what the Mishnah says, in the Hedjot of Mem Vaman Aleph, Omer of Meir 107, B'Shor Sha'odam Mitztair, Shechina, Malosh Omeris, when a person is in anguish and in pain, the Shechina itself says, my head is too heavy, my arms, I can't take it. Right? When it, and even though the person gets the Avera, you know, it gets the punishment rather because of whatever Avera, HaKadosh Baruch Hu is in pain as well. And we know that after the Chorban Beis HaMikdash, HaKadosh Baruch himself cries for the absence of the Beis HaMikdash. Paragim, uh, Gimel and Aleph, uh, 109, it says, HaKadosh Baruch Hu, the Basko says all the time, Malo La'av, Shehigal Hezbonav, I, the father who had to exile his children. And HaKadosh Baruch himself acknowledges the Medjush Tanchuma and Kisetze Osir Aleph, that as long as there's Amalek and even in the world, Lo Hashem Shalom Ala Kisei Shalom in 110, my throne is incomplete, my name is incomplete. And you're many psukim, you know, Perikud, Puskit, again, of Aaron's facility with psukim. Oily Al Shivri, right? Woe is, I'm broken. 
And the Medrash Echarabba says that's what Akash Baruch Hu said when the last Golas, when the last two tribes were exiled in 112, I'm broken. And the Psukim in Paraktesiv, we actually read 113, we actually read those Psukim as the Haftarah on of morning. We have to call out, call to the to the uh, weepers to, to cry and the women who know how to make uh, uh, you know lamentations to lament and so on because we lift up uh, you know the, the whole city of Zion is crying so to speak and the Medjish Necha Rabba and the Psichta and Oschess uh, says in 114 uh, what do you mean who's crying are the wood and the stones of a city are crying nope he who Shechina was in Sion, that's who's crying. So Kaddish Baruch Hu crying. And the Psichta in Oz Bey is there. says in Eicha Rabba in 115, I don't have the strength to weep and to lament. So you got to call the professionals to do it. And to cry. And it doesn't say, It says, right? Let them cry. Look back in 113, the second... Weep for us. Kodesh Baruch was included in the us, and so on. And the very other, various other midrashim give the same thing. When a tamak, when a tamak Kodesh Baruch who says, "When you try to comfort me, I can't be comforted." And uh, again, uh, uh, he quotes numerous sources of Eichar Abasi about a Kodesh Baruch crying uh, and, and, and saying, now, "Of course, Rav Lichtenstein went into a little bit the anthropomorphic nature of this." Uh, you know, that a Kodesh Baruch Hu cries, and wait, 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 how can we say that, and so on. It's certainly against, you know, the way we uh, philosopher will understand. But to look at the quote that the Rav once said, that it's though, you know, again, it seems to be against the, the notion of, of uh, that a Kodesh Baruch Hu has no, no, no body, and you know, when a Kodesh Baruch Hu cries, how do we talk about a Kodesh Baruch Hu cries? But uh, the way we put it, it's that the Kali Yisrael somehow have opted for the Medrash over, uh, and the Medrash over the Moret. In other words, yes, in a rational point of view, uh, we have to be careful with it and so on. And, and the language that the Medrash kept saying is kaviyachal, as it were, as it were. But still, uh, ultimately, uh, we've accepted that as a means somehow of relating to it. And therefore, we can relate to our Kaddish Baruch Hu as someone who suffers well. When we're in pain, he's in pain. And even the Malachim, in Parak Lamed Gimel, of Yeshaya, Posek Zion 124, says, even the Malachim say, Malachi Shalom Mar Yivkoyim. And again, the um, the Marami Prague in Beragola, Beravi Parakhes, uh, discusses really it's not a Kodesh Bar who weeping, ultimately it's we who are weeping. And I think he tries to, to balance the anthropomorphic uh, problem. But the, the truth is, he writes, the Relichensin does, to this deflection of the whale from the creator to the creature, one can fully subscribe at some level. That his quintessential being, being is wholly immutable is beyond question. We can't talk about a Kodesh Baruch crying and feeling bad and changing his mind. That's, they can't say such a thing. However, at most, we can speak of an impact upon his interactive relation to the world. The point is, however, that this impact is no mirage. The effect upon the Rebona Shalom's manifest presence is genuine, and hence that the grief Chazal daringly attributed to him is both real and related to an objective correlation. Cor- cor- correlative. Correlative. In other words, Kodesh Baruch in a certain sense, as it were, so to speak, suffers and cries with us. And that gives us also some form of comfort and some sort of uh, succor, some sort of solace when we experience uh, tragedy as well. It doesn't take it away, but it means that we have a shoulder to cry and who cries back. Kodesh Baruch is crying also. It's a mutual kind of relationship. Just to... Um, 
So really what, what Lichtenstein, as, as I understood this essay, was getting at, is there are three things that shape a person's response to, um, to tragedy and to, to, to suffering. The relation with the Kodesh Baruch the Avas Hashem, the greater the Avas Hashem, the, different, the more different his response to suffering will be. And Avas Hashem is something to work on on many different levels. The notion of tshuva, that suffering is impetus for tshuva, and that suffering is also an impetus to tefillah. Lechensen concluded the talk by pointing out that um, there's a difference also, an important difference, uh, when you're dealing with your own suffering and responding to your own suffering as opposed to the suffering of somebody else. Uh, he says, certainly, it's important to be sensitive to the suffering of somebody else. And the truth is, he writes, um, when assessing someone else's suffering, I'm not suffering. So then the emphasis is a little bit different. In his words, in this connection, I believe we should distinguish between recourse to tefillah and to tshuva. As regard the former, all three aspects that were discussed above about tefillah, again, tefillah for hope of, of, of a change, tefillah in the sense of, of you know, a shoulder to cry, and tefillah of having actually a partner in your, in your pain, all three of those things apply all three aspects we discussed above with respect to personal suffering, okay, the quest for help, a shoulder to cry on, and a covenant of anguish are very much in order even when dealing with somebody else. Moreover, there exists a reciprocal relation between prayer and others and interaction with them. On the one hand, one prays not only out of religious imperative, you know, but rather out of an empathetic identification on the other hand. Okay, Bakoshas Rachamim, that's something with regards to tefillah, that applies when somebody else is suffering. However, he goes on, the situation is somewhat different with regard to tshuva. Okay, which, whichever aspect of tshuva. In certain sense, there should be no difference. However, uh, the expression of the assumption of, 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 that this, telling somebody else that they should do tshuva is highly problematic from both a religious and a moral perspective. We recoil instinctively from assertions regarding the causal nexus between sin and suffering. It's a very you know, I can talk about sin and suffering when I'm considering myself and what I need to improve. To go tell you. Like, you know, you know this. You underwent this suffering because this and this and this. You better fix that up. That already, he says, we, uh, you know, we recoil and so on from, from hearing that. There are people who do that, okay. But we're looking seen here and elsewhere. He's very much against that. He's fond of quoting the pasuk regarding Bilam, the don- the donkey. Right? The pasuk in Bullock says that Bilam prided himself. das Elion. He knew the, the inner knowledge of Rakhash Baruch Hu. And the Gemara in Sanhedrin, Kuf Hamid Beis, makes fun of him and says, He didn't even know what his animal was driving at. He knows Rakhash Baruch Hu. We don't understand, um, uh, you know, what Rakhash Baruch Hu does things and don't have the right. We have the right to uh, explore ourselves and figure out what we need to do, but not when it comes to somebody else. The Pesach says in Eov, right, we should not make the mistake that some of Eov's friends made when trying to console him for his suffering. In Parag Dalad, Sukhim Vav and Zion, Oh, you're also Kisla Secha. Maybe there was something wrong with your fear of God, right? You know, nobody gets punished for no reason. I'm, I'm, I'm paraphrasing, right, just translating loosely, all right? You must have done something wrong, right? That's not how we do it. That's not what we do. The Gemara says in Bavitzia, 130, the Gemara says, If a person experienced suffering, he experienced sickness, he buried his children, God forbid. Don't, don't say what the Eos friends in the Muslim is something you did wrong. That's not the way you do it. You can't do that with regard to somebody else. Okay, you can do it with regards to yourself. And finally, Lichtenstein noted that in the uh, idea of commiserating with somebody's pain and even praying for somebody, it's not only Jews but non-Jews as well. We all know from, say, for Yonah, right, uh, universal suffering, universal pain, 
universal punishment, right? That they all, and, and they uh, straighten themselves out, as the Pesach says, right? By Sakim, and they wore uh, and they did shuvah, they wore sackcloth, and so on and so forth. Okay, uh, we have to we have to be careful about our relation. Uh, writes, Ninve reminds us symbolic of our relation, universal suffering, and most of us sorely need a reminder universal suffering. This particular calamity we're engaged in right now, so this is universal, it's Jew and non-Jew, but there are some times where things happen and, uh, you know, Lichtenstein spoke about those things, you know, whatever tragedy, which had nothing to do directly with Klai Yisrael or Jewish people per se, with an earthquake here and a tsunami there, and so on. We know how the Jewish people responded, how the Israelis responded with sending doctors and so on and so forth and aid, but uh, we need a reminder from time to time. Okay, the ethnic factor of little is of little moment on a philosophical level. In dealing with theodicy, whether Eov was Jewish, Gentile, or fictional is wholly irrelevant. Okay, um, however, Rebbe does say that we have our responsibility as Jews, and with this we'll finish. Uh, and he pointed in conclusion, uh, in ending, he referred to the Psukim of Ashrei, Tilim Parakuf Memhe, Source 132. Right? Kodesh Baruch Hu is good to all and is merciful to all creatures. And the Pasuk tells the eyes of all uh, turn to Kodesh Baruch Hu. You provide with their needs. On the other hand, as Jews, we're cognizant of act as well, and this really relates to our issue, the three things we mentioned. Kodesh Baruch Hu is especially close with those uh, who call him, okay, who turn to him, the who turn to him uh, in actual truth. Right? Uh, you know, means uh, do tshuva, you come close, you call out. And he'll hear their tefillahs and protect them. And finally, in Chof, Shomar Hashem is called Ohavov. Kodesh Baruch Hu has a special protection for those whom he loves, going back full circle to the idea of Avas Hashem. These are some of the points of Lichtenstein stressed. Difficult though they are, and they're difficult to put into practical um, behavior, I acknowledge, and I'll read the uh, concluding words of a Lichtenstein essay. In conclusion, I return to the sinking feeling that much of what has been said here may fall upon deaf ears. In a scientific age, any linkage of suffering to sin, even as an instrument of repentance, may seem both hollow and naive. Any attempt to cry up the purgative nature of suffering may be viewed, especially after the Holocaust, as trite, platitudinous, and what is worse, callous. Many of you now will have no truck with the use of uses of adversity and brand reference to the crucible of pain as insensitive. He acknowledges that. And he even says, I can understand this reaction and indeed up to a point, share it, but only up to a point. Ultimately, there is no denying the fact that dissonant as these responses are to many modern ears, they are the essence of Yahadus's traditional reaction to suffering on the speculative, pragmatic, and therapeutic level. That they sound empty or unpalatable to some brings us back to a central point. Response to suffering cannot be divorced from the totality of religious experience, and the ability to integrate religious solutions is a function of the totality of faith and commitment. And that's the challenge that we have. He says, in such a context, the key to confronting suffering in a Jewish way lies beyond formulae relating to the realm of suffering. It entails reaffirmation of one's fundamental yadus, of one's fundamental Judaism. That's the uh, thoughts 
Rav Lichnesi on a response to suffering. As I said at the outset, food for thought, challenging, uh, requires more thinking. Uh, anyone who'd like the Marmacomas, you can print them out. If you'd like when you send them, I'm happy to. And I urge you to read the article in the original. Uh, I can, could not even hope to say in any way similar to where Rav Lichtenstein suggests. It's Leaves of Faith, Volume uh, 2, uh, Chapter 5, has this essay. I think that um, as we observe the, the, the fifth yard site of this towering intellect, this great Rosh Hashiva, first and foremost, this great Tamar Chacham, uh, again, I just, it was a privilege to know him. And, and, and you know, one thing I've looked and seen, what he said, he felt, he felt and he meant, and he lived it. And he was a person who you saw the Avas Hashem exuded from him. The notion you have to do tshuva, I never know what he did wrong, but with the notion of the tshuva, he spoke about it in such a passionate way, you felt that he meant it. And of course, his tefillah, with those of us who were in the base medrash, and I see on the you know, screen people who are from Chavarim and Chavrusim, you know, we saw him dominating, you saw, you saw a person on a different plane of existence. He lived this. He lived this. And Erlichtenstein undoubtedly underwent suffering in his life on a personal level and was deeply moved by communal suffering, the suffering of Jews and of non-Jews alike. And was able to deal with it by this kind of formulation. I hope that uh, this shear in some small way will be Lila Nishmaso. Baruch. I thank you all for listening. Um, I don't mind if somebody wants some, uh, my son is, is, uh, is manager, so he can un- unmute people if people want to talk up. Uh, and we can end the recording. Wish everybody a good evening and thank you for joining us.